When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Trade, we're here to make your job easier because helping business is our trade. It's Justin Marshall and Ricardo Ball with the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run on SENZ. sure on that but well done to the Waratahs 24-21 welcome into the Bunning Trade Rugby Run Mark Watson alongside of me all black great Justin Marshall Justin good afternoon welcome yes good good morning good afternoon what obviously I'm still uh, over in Australia so we haven't quite ticked over at that midday mark yet and welcome into all the listeners on the uh Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Um, plenty to digest, mate, over the last few days. Yeah, look, the, the first big question, a lot of people texting on this, the squash game, has it been a bit better this week, mate? Um, yes, it has, actually. Uh, I, I did have a, sl- a slight problem with my hammy, but um, no, I certainly enjoyed my run around with Tony Brown. We had two games in Melbourne, uh, and um, yes, I feel like I'm gaining ground on him, which okay. is good. Uh, Justin, um, look, I, part of the reason I got out of radio about three or four years ago, I was just sick of the negativity. I didn't like the person I'd become. But I've got to say, mate, I'm sort of sitting here thinking to myself, this first hour might be a little bit doom and gloom um, because I think coming into this weekend's round of Super Rugby, I probably expected more from the New Zealand sides. I certainly didn't expect the Waratahs to beat the Crusaders. No, and, and look, I, I think the way that it played out last weekend in Melbourne pretty much went um, as we thought it would to, to script. Uh, the Highlanders, not the weakest side in, in, the, New, in the New Zealand um, proportion of the competition whilst it was happening with Moana Pacifica, obviously having all of their problems with games being postponed and, you know, only winning one. So, you know, they they were possibly still expected to win, but... I wasn't surprised that the Brumbies beat them, but this second round um, has really dished up some uh, surprising results, uh, even though the results sometimes have been favourable, like the Blues one, for example, uh, they were lucky. Uh, and, yeah, it's been it's been a really interesting round. Lots going on. Again, we've had 
uh, red cards, sin bins, uh, and there's been some drama, mate. There's really been some drama. Uh, okay, look, we, we expect so much from the Crusaders. Um, you know, on when I was back in the days of Radio Sport News Talk ZB, I never really ever bagged the Crusaders because they were always winning. Um, you, it was easy to leave them alone. What's going on at the moment? I, I'm just trying to... I just can't quite pinpoint it, Justin, but clearly something's not quite working. No, and they're aware of that. Listening to Cody Taylor's interview after the game last night, uh, it's a drum that he's already been beating. So when he got asked the same question as in terms of, you know, why did you struggle out there? He said the same thing. We didn't start well. Uh, We coughed up a lot of ball. Uh, We're just pushing things a little bit too much. The same message came out of the week before. Ironically, he then went on to say, well, look, we addressed our problems against the Rebels, the ball that we coughed up, the errors that we made, and we thought that we'd got that right, and quite clearly they didn't. I think after 15 minutes, they had coughed up the ball five times, just general uh, handling errors, uh, and they just couldn't get their rhythm and get into their game, and ultimately what they did is piggyback the Waratahs into the game, who started really well. I think I said after 20 minutes, I was sitting next to Tim Horan, uh, watching the game in studio, I said, I haven't seen a Waratahs team or an Australian team start with this precision in a long time. They were really accurate. Uh, they knew their game plan. They executed it perfectly. The first try to the winger, Peach, where they got over the advantage line and then Jake Gordon bounced out. And that was premeditated, that move. They were they were picking to get over the advantage line, get the Crusaders forwards in behind uh, the defensive ruck, which they were, and bang, through he came and went under the post. Now, yeah, mate, I go all the way back to, I think it was 2002, when we walloped the Waratahs on a day where we nearly got a, put 100 on them, where we had a day where everything we executed um, just went entirely to script. Everything that we did on the training field. Now, why is everything the Crusaders doing on the training field, why are the errors they're talking about, the slow starts that they are aware of, for a team stacked full of experience and all blacks and are well coached, not learning from week to week and continue to make the same mistakes. I'm scratching my head as well, mate. You look, the Blues, similar. Are we trying to play the game too quickly here in New Zealand? You know, we talk about needing to make that adjustment to the Northern Hemisphere, get better ruck, you know, ruck speed, get that ball out. But do we maybe just need to... Just slow it down in that first 10 or 15 minutes. Set the platform. Get the guys to get their nervous systems up. Get their hand-eye in a game situation going. And just pull it back a gear. I think we've got to probably, mentally, give the Australian team some better respect. I think quite clearly they are playing better rugby. I think they are looking uh, a lot more inventive with the ball. Uh, Their balance and the way that they're playing is much better. Physically, they've come up to speed. So, you know, in a nutshell, people are thinking, yeah, what do you mean by that? What do you mean give them some respect? Well, when, when we're playing each other in, in Aotearoa, or the, the, the format that it is now, we know how hard it is to structurally break down our defences. We know how hard we have to work to find space and to create opportunities. They won't just happen. And I think at the moment, because of the way we walloped, I think, did they only win one game last year in the Trans-Tasman? Two. Two. There you go. And they've won, every and they've team, won two in two weeks now. Yeah, and every team pretty much walloped them. And, and the biggest talking point was whether or not you walloped them enough to get a bonus point. That's, that's changed. Quite clearly it's changed. And their depth is better. And like I said, they're much more competitive. So particularly 
the, the Blues and the Crusaders look like they're trying to get things done without working hard enough. They are not patient enough. They, 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 I think mentally they, they're still thinking about last year how they just scored tries at will. They fell off tackles to the Australian teams. They weren't prepared to work hard. So three to four phases, you're ultimately scoring and breaking them apart. They're a lot tougher now. And so what we're doing is we're trying to push that pass around that fourth or fifth phase and making 50-50 decisions and making errors. They're not being patient. And, and I think that, that to me is very evident in the body language you see as well, the heads that are being dropped, the sort of look of, total sort of uh, confusion on the faces when something doesn't happen and goes wrong, there's there's no real blame factor because it's just common basic mistakes that are happening. Justin, I, I want you to try and alleviate my fears here and please tell me if I'm being too harsh or being just a little bit too paranoid, but we lost the two tests last year with the All Blacks to France and Ireland. I look across yep. our Super Rugby franchises and I just don't see quality and X factor outside of a few positions. I see Artie Sevilla, Aaron Smith at halfback, and Will Jordan. And that's about it. How much of a concern? Am I being too harsh here? I mean, is New Zealand rugby arguably, in regards to talent, in a little bit of a crisis? No, I think we've still got plenty of talent out there. I certainly think that players... Uh, when they combine together and get in that all-black all environment, we'll, we'll be different animals. But the, the key thing that I think we probably all need to discuss and all need to find a way and a pathway forward is to bring that talent together and express it in a way that we know New Zealand rugby players can play the game. And, and that's our challenge. Look, I'm, I'm all for trying to beef up a little bit, like the Northern Hemisphere. I hear what the messages are there, the, the back rows that they are putting out there, the, the mobile forward packs, we are a little bit behind in that regard. I think probably front row-wise, we've still got the, the strength and the power, but I don't think we've got the subtle skills of what the French and the Irish, uh, and even to a degree the English are doing uh, up front, and, and the skill set that the, that the props in particular are showing. So, sorry, just, just, make... sorry, Justin, just coming yeah. in there, is that because sort of under the Steve Hansen era and Mike Cron, we place too much emphasis just purely on the technical side of scrummaging and that became the emphasis? To a degree, yeah. And, and it was very powerful when it worked well for us because it gave us a really good platform to unleash our talented backline off. So the thought process in that is well validated. I think the biggest issue that we now have is... We went through a real period, period Watto, where we, we were leading the world and we were innovators and we, we were changing the way that the game was played. And, and you know, there's these pod systems of 3T2 and I don't want to get too complicated with it all, but we, we started then to use our Lucy's number eights like Kieran Reid, um, Dane Coles and, and, you know, those outside channels. Everyone's doing that now. Mm. Um, so what we were doing is we, we were taking the game into places that didn't make us predictable. And we were, we were taking the game into places where we could utilise players who had real quality strengths in certain areas of the field. We haven't evolved. No, we, and, we haven't. And, and I want yep. to ask you that. I just want somebody yep. in the media to go to Ian Foster and go, Ian, can you tell us how this all-black team has evolved from 2017 to 2019 and from 2019 through to now. I mean, I, I, I can't see it, and I'm not sure 
that the current group of All Black coaches, with the greatest respect, have the nous or the vision to write the next book that everybody else starts reading? I think I think Ian Foster is now very well aware. I certainly think that uh, last year, you know, that, that was a, it was a difficult year for us. You know, we had to deal with that travel. We had to deal with players' welfare and sending them away for a long period of time and, and try and sort of macro-manage that. And, and I, I remember having a chat to him before they left, uh, how he was going to sort of bring some players over um, midway into the championship, how some had to stay behind, some were having babies, experience was missing, Bowden Barrett wasn't quite back to his bed. There was a lot to deal with. How were they were then going to click on to getting into the UK, keeping players fresh? It, it, it was a, it was a very difficult year to try and be innovative and, and get your balance right. I think where they thought that they needed to be, quite clearly, they found out quickly in the UK that they were off the mark. Um, but I think by his own admission, he he is aware of that. I certainly think that he knows that we need to evolve and we need to offer something different in, in, what, in the way that we're playing the game. Um, I do believe that he... Uh, wants to see us playing and he wants to see some of our players playing in a different way. The hardest thing is you can't control that with what the super teams are doing. Um, Justin, can I ask you then, I mean, you watch the game a lot as a commentator. You're clearly engaged um, across the game. Where do Mm. you see the evolution? Where do you think we can make gains? I mean, how much room is there left in regards to taking the game forward? Look, I, I feel that the way that the game is, is structured now, defence-orientated, it, it's it's really hard to, when you come up against a, a good defensive system from outside in, to get that ball to where our strengths are, which is the outside channel, to unleash the Will Jordans, Seru Reese, Rico Ioannis, um, you know, wh- whoever may be in the mix. Uh, their talent is hard, getting harder and harder to get to. So what that's why you're seeing, so the evolution of the game is like, you know, the, the greats of the game, the JKs and all of that, the, the wingers that could score tries, they used to just wait on the wing for the ball um, and wait for that mismatch or that overlap. Like, mate, here's a classic example. When when we, when Jonah was at his peak uh, and defence systems weren't the way that they are now, uh, all we used to do is work a backline move not to give Jonah an overlap, so not to, to manipulate all the defenders so that he then was on his own um, running towards the try line. We used to just to try to manipulate the rest of the back so that he had a one-on-one with his winger. And we knew that ultimately he would usually beat that winger and good luck to the fullback who was coming across. <laughs> Mike Cat. <laughs> exactly. So that, that that was our thought process. Now, no one would turn in and smack the second-to-last passer or a third-to-last passer um, because that's not the way defences worked in that day. They, they held their width. So we could usually manipulate that quite well. Now, nowadays, they'll rush up, they'll get in the eye line of the passer and they'll cut it off. So those strengths now mean that the, 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 of defence now means the wingers, and you'll see them. Like, I was watching Severi Reese last night, mate. He was hovering around the breakdown, picking and going, you know. So they have to move off the wing to find the ball because it's harder for them to get the space. Uh, and, and there is still times when you do. So in, in, a, in a sort of roundabout way, what I'm trying to say is, what what we've got to do is be more ambitious. We've got we've got to be able to think about creative ways of getting the ball into those outside channels and beating that rush defence. And you can't do that by standing fifteen metres back. 
um, on attack because obviously that gives you time and pass, but that, that, they'll still just drift across. So that's where the coaches and the mindset needs to be because we need to get the, the ball in the hands of those players. That's where we're strong. It's where we've always been strong. If you look at the the, the try scoring list for the All Blacks, it's of, of the greatest ever try scorers. It's not centres. It's not 12s. It's not Lucy's. It's the Doug Howell, it's the Christian Cullens, the Jonah Lomos, the Jeff Wilsons, uh, the Julian Savias. That's where our strength is, and that's where we need to get the ball. You forgot the Greyhound, the great Terry Wright. Love Terry Wright, the Greyhound. Oh, did I? <laughs> what a flower. Anyway, you are listening to SENZ. This is the Bunny Trade Rugby Run. Mark Watson alongside of me, Justin Marshall. If you want to phone the programme, 0800 150 811. That's 0800 150 811. You simply just want to make an observation or you've got a question for Justin, please feel free. Get on the phone. Talk back is a better experience when you phone the programme. You can text your thoughts too on double eight double three. We've got Andrew Murdens to come this hour. We're also going to catch up with, well, uh, let's have the debate, arguably our second greatest or greatest first five in Grant Fox. Um, and, and we're also going to talk to Morgan Turanui a little bit later on in the programme as well. So plenty to rugby to look forward to. Uh, we'll take a break and we'll come back with the great man himself, Andrew Murdens. Yes, it is. 21 minutes after one. You are listening to the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Mark Watson alongside of me, Justin Marshall. The telephone number is 0800 150 811. You can text your thoughts too on double eight double three. Andrew Merton's not too far away, but Dave has phoned the programme. Afternoon to you, Dave. Good afternoon, Mark. Good afternoon, Justin. Hey, um, just got a couple of observations with the Crusaders. I think... Um, they have lost a little bit of their aura, but they were always, even though I'm a Kings fan, but you always knew if you had a couple of dollars on the Crusaders, you were fine for the weekend. But they always traditionally, used, and with the ABs, start slow, absorb the pressure, capitalise off the mistakes, and then whack the pressure on 10 minutes before and after half time. And then in the last 20 minutes, they would, they'd just destroy teams. And I, they're not doing that. And what I agree with you with... Um, you know, the state of the All Blacks. I'd add Bodie and Geordie to those X-Factor players. But in the past, 2015, we've had an X-Factor player and then the backup player has been yeah. just as good, but, you know, but, but, giving but, me alarm. Sorry, Dave, can, yeah, I, just, sorry, can no. I just jump yep. in there and Justin comment yep. as well? You mentioned the Barrett brothers, I agree. The problem is, though, they've just not been played in one position. So it's hard to put that X-Factor yep. tag to them because they're almost utilities. Yeah, but Bodie was... Bodie in a team that didn't go real well the other night, he did some special things, especially when he um, jumped over the line, seemed to be in the air like uh, Michael Jordan and tapped that ball back, and he seemed to be in the air forever. And, like, that's the expected players. But what I'm saying is 2015, we had Kevin Mialamu back up Dane Coles. You have Aaron Smith, you've got TJ, you had Dan Carter, you got Bodie. You know, it, it was right, right through the team. Yeah, really good, valid points, Dave. Uh, and good afternoon to you, mate. Thanks for calling in. Um, look, I, I totally agree with what you had to say about the All Blacks. Um, you know, those types of players, uh, we, we need to get into the game more. And, and, you know, what I'm talking about with the wingers, um, we absolutely need them making sure that they're in space and scoring tries. But that doesn't happen unless you have geniuses like Bowden Barrett pulling the strings. So the more we can get them into the game, the better. The Probably the one counter argument I'd offer to the way the Crusaders are going at the moment was I really 
it concerns me their their lack their lack of idea on attack. Yeah, they fought their way back into that game last night, but it was through scoring trot. Now we're not going to go into the subject because, geez, there'll be I don't know how many people will call in, but they scored their tries from driving Morse and. They just started to play a game where they won penalty, won penalty, kicked into the 22, and then started using set piece. And it, it really worries me that they've lost their creativity and their strike power that they've got in their back line. They're not using. The only time you see them look like they can open up a team is when they're super desperate and they just look like they're playing unstructured and people are coming off the wing or coming in from the centres. But by then, it's too late. So... Yeah, they've got some real concerns, but um, yeah, really appreciate the call in, man, uh, mate. Thanks very much, Dave. Yeah, thank you, Dave. Don't be a stranger to the program, right? Let's bring another uh, legend of All Black rugby onto the program, the great man himself, Andrew Burton's. Andrew, good afternoon, welcome. Hi, guys. Uh, long time listener, first time caller. Nice to chat. <laughs> uh, is it true that uh, Justin's been telling me that you, without him, you would have only been half the player? <laughs> oh, that's that's generous, probably too. Um, and that's half of nothing, really, anyway. So, um, yeah, and it certainly would have been half the broadcaster this week without his assistance over in Australia. Uh, I don't think I could survive another week of him being over the Tasman, but it's been great to have him over here. Yeah, you, um, I was listening to you two the other week. Did you guys once have a little bit of a dust-up in training or something? <laughs> probably a couple of times. Do tell, do tell, do tell. I've here. got a sneaking feeling no. it would have been the lippy halfback that probably started it. No, I think uh, Marshy got annoyed. If I may jump in, Marshy, please. And, um, this is my this is my recollection, and I always say to people, we almost pretty much had a marriage for ten years, and that we didn't have sex and we argued regularly. And but, you got the um, silent treatment for no reason for two days of the week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, no, we had a training one time. I think it was out at Burnham, maybe uh, at the and. I don't know, we had a move board or something and the Fords were doing their line-outs and probably it was inconsequential and I think that was what annoyed Marshy. But they, they, they did a line-out and gave us the ball, but I think it came from the wrong part of the line-out. And um, for the move that we, we wanted the ball off the back of the line-out, but it came off the front. Now, it didn't matter at, at training, probably, but I just went and, and thumped the ball away and uh, just kicked it and said, well, if I'm going to get it off the front, that's what I'm going to do in a game. I'm just going to have to kick it because we can't go through this move. So let's get it right. Can we get it off the back of the line out? And I think Margie wanted to get training and over and done with by that stage and get away. We'd been out there for a fair amount of time. And I'll tell you what, that next ball that I got from the line out, honestly, if I didn't get my hands in, in the way, my head it would have been taken off. So um, anyway, it came, it came out. And I, I did say to Marshy, I think I inflamed the situation a little bit by saying to Marshy, I should probably do that to you in the game. Start getting those balls getting ripped out even quicker. <laughs> that's imp- that's impossible, mate. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, I remember it clearly. Yeah, I, I, not only did you kick the ball away because it came from the wrong spot, but you gave me a spray as well about where it came from. I was like, yeah, right, eh? Um, but uh, hey, mate, thanks for joining us. Um, I know you're down in Melbourne ca- calling the game uh, last night. Uh, what do you make of? Your first experience seeing um, one of Pacifica live, mate. I was impressed. I, I enjoyed the game last night a lot more than I actually thought I was going to. Um, I mean, I didn't have the grueling marathon that you did in the studio show for for back to back to back. But um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that game. It was awesome to see Minor Pacifica for the first time on Australian soil. Great to catch up with Sakopi Kepu, who was very generous with his time doing a, a couple of interviews, and, and Aaron Major as well, of course. We played a lot of rugby with Azza and, and Philo Tiatia as well. So it was really nice to see those guys. And I was impressed. I mean, it, it's so hard. 
for a new team in the competition. And, and other franchises have showed that over the years when they've got at it in up against established teams, it's bloody tough. And especially when you're cobbling together players from all over and trying to get some cohesion. So I think they did incredibly well. They stayed in it right through the game. Uh, They were still firing shots at the end. In fact, they had the better of the the last 15 minutes, I reckon, Moana, and and started really well as well. So I think it was just probably that the ill-discipline let them down both in terms of giving away penalties and in terms of silly mistakes just in that middle section of the game. But they were they were really competitive. The Rebels are a really improved team. They've got an organised defence. Um, and so, you know, they're no mugs. So, you know, I thought Moana Pacifica did really well. I think they're not far off it, you know. They've just got to keep persisting. And, you know, that's the challenge for Philo and for Azza is to, to keep their spirits up because, you know, one win out of, um, you know, the, the nine games they've played is tough in terms of results, but there's some really good play. And you remember what it was like, Marshy, when you used to play Pacifica teams, you try and last for that, you know, initial brutal assault that you might get for 25, 30 minutes. Then you could inevitably rely on your fitness to come through when theirs was wavering. And we don't have that so much anymore. The Andrua have shown that they can play through 80 minutes and Moana Pacifica the same. A oh, really valid point. Yeah, we used to know that we, you didn't want to absorb because they could run away with it, but you needed to stay competitive. And then, yeah, you, you, you knew you could sort of probably get them with fitness. And it's quite evident that both Moana and uh, the Drua are much fitter and they're, they're much more structured sides. Like the, the game over in Suva, I don't know if you caught any of that, but just simply outstanding. What a, what a great advocate for... Pacifica rugby and also you know to the world that this competition can be healthy like a full crowd there a competitive game Fiji and flair uh, and and the Highlanders entered into the contest yeah those those images that came out of Suva on their own were, were, were probably good enough to justify all the debate uh, or the justify the decision really to to have the Andrua and Minor Pacifica in the competition. I think it's fantastic. I don't think we're going to look back. So, yeah, it was awesome. I think um, they're playing the Chiefs, is it, in about three rounds' time in Lautoka. So that'll be awesome as well. But, yeah, that, that's exactly why we did it. And, you know, I did see... Uh, I was heading to the game, so I, I didn't see much of the Crusaders game. And I guess, in hindsight, that's probably not a bad thing. Um but uh, I saw the, the, the Highlanders, and they did well to get out of that one because um, that, that's a tough one over there. You, you heard the noise coming out of the Fijians in the crowd, and, and just, just it was a party atmosphere, which was fantastic to see. Um, Mertz, I just want to get your thoughts. Justin and I just earlier were talking about certainly maybe the perception, or Justin certainly thinks that we've seen an improvement in the Australian Super Rugby teams. We've seen an improvement in Australian rugby. Uh, last year, just two victories throughout the entire Super Rugby season for the Australian teams against New Zealand teams. Now we've seen two in two weeks. We could see the Brumbies this afternoon extend that to three. Um, do you agree that there has been a shift in terms of the standard in Australian rugby, or do they need to come to New Zealand and prove themselves first before we really get an idea? Oh, yeah, there's a little bit of that in terms of, you know, needing to prove themselves across the Tasman, but I think there's no doubt that they've improved, and I think part of that comes from the experience of last year, having played 
you know, that trans-Tasman competition after not having been able to the year previous. So, you know, the more exposure there is, the better. It's a slightly different game over here. It's almost role reversal. You know, Aussie teams of the past, because of the dry grounds they had over here, would, would move the ball almost more than New Zealand teams, which, you know, 15, 20 years ago were still playing, you know, a pretty four-dominated game. Whereas now, you know, the New Zealand game is the, 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 the lightning quick ball, the, you know, phase after really quick phase and attacking from anywhere. Australian game is a lot more structured and, and almost a bit more defence orientated, and I think that's causing the Kiwi teams some problems as well. That, you know, I don't think necessarily they've underestimated the Aussie teams, but coming up against these tight defences makes for a different game. And you know, the Australians get in, make good gang tackles, they put a lot of pressure on at the ruck, they try and cut the you know the ball supply off at the source. And it's a slightly different game from what the New Zealand teams are used to. So, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that over the weekend we've had all the margins were, what, around two, three, four points. Um, so it's great for the competition. And, yeah, so it's, it's excellent. And, uh, you know, maybe going back to that Crusaders game yesterday, that Crusaders result, it, it showed how much esteem the Crusaders are held in over here. I know in New Zealand we don't like people who, you know, bang on about the Crusaders all the time, although, you know, extraordinarily successful team. <laughs> but in New Zealand it's like, well, you know, they're a good team, but our own team's bloody good as well. And, you know, we'll, we'll beat them, you know, fairly often as well. But over here they do see the Crusaders as the, as the standard setters, the standard bearers really of this competition. So the Waratahs' reaction when they won that showed it all. It's like they won a final. And, you know, part of that is also just their own journey, you know, from last year without any victories and, and you know, they've had a better season and suddenly they've knocked off the team that they see as the, you know, the, the top dogs in Super Rugby. So the Crusaders are getting that. The, the Australian teams will target them. They want to lift themselves and play the, the game of their year against the Crusaders. And, you know, so the Crusaders have got to stand and it'll be no, no easy game across the earth this weekend either. Mate, when I... Uh, last minute, as I usually do, asked you and you obliged generously with your time um, to, to come on the show and you sort of said that you hadn't really seen much of the Crusaders game uh, and you said you'd watch it. I said, don't worry. You don't, I, it's because I don't want to ask you about last night's game because I want to ask you, basically, was that always coming from, from what you've seen? Like, obviously, you've seen the Crusaders so far this season and rather than put you on the spot too harshly, I'll, I'll ultimately say yes, I did see it coming. They, they have been struggling in certain areas. They've been making errors. They haven't been at their proficient best. So if I hadn't watched the game and I saw that they got beaten, I wouldn't be surprised. Were, were you surprised that, that, not that it was the Waratahs that beat them, that, again, that they've been beaten? Did you see that on the cards? Well, no, I, I, I didn't really see it so much, but you know, I know teams are targeting the Crusaders and, and lift themselves for that performance. And, you know, that's the, I guess, the cross that the Crusaders have to bear. Excuse the pun. Um, they, and I think we saw it a little bit maybe with the Chiefs on Friday night as well, where they can accelerate the game and be absolutely lethal when they, when they want to. But for large parts of the game, it almost looks like they're just moving the ball around, probing here and there, waiting for the opportunity. And there's, when you're doing that, it's hard to get the dynamism in every phase. And you know what? The speed of the game, it's hard enough to get the dynamism every phase anyway. So I realise that it's difficult. But, you know, it just seems sometimes a little aimless 
wing, just moving it around and, and, like I say, waiting for that opportunity to present itself because some of these Australian defences may not give you that opportunity for four, five, six, seven phases, but then every phase is a chance for them to get in and put pressure on the breakdown and steal it, you know? So, as you said just before, when the Crusaders really got desperate at the end, they looked like they were going to be absolutely dangerous and they could, they could score straight away. But we didn't see that probably through most of the rest of the game. And then there were the unforced errors that plagued their game last week against the Rebels as well. So it was just, you know, hard for them to, to, to get that roll on. So I wonder if that's a little part of it, if some of the New Zealand teams are used to, you know, let's just move it around. Because I don't think, you know, we've got no worse tacklers in New Zealand rugby. But I think our defence is slightly different from the perspective that New Zealand teams want to defend in order to get the ball back. And naturally, sometimes that leads to a bit more of a passive tackle. Now, as you know, I'm in no position to go advising anyone about tackling, but <laughs> but, but I, I think it does lead to a little bit more of a passive tackle because you're you're kind of looking to try and get the player on the ground and go for the steal rather than just tackle for tackle's sake. And I think the Australians are doing that a little more, just content to defend, get in and gang tackle, and and, and try and make a, a really aggressive tackle. And you know, I think that's causing us some problems. So we've got to adjust a little bit. You're talk about creativity, Marshy, I think that plays into that as well. I think, you know, some of our teams have kind of thought, again, it's not complacency, it's just, I guess, the way they've anticipated the game going, thinking they can do things a bit more simply, and you know, we, we yet to see maybe a, that, that creativity that we saw a couple of weeks back from the Crusaders when they, you know, playing against the Blues, and just some of the moves they pulled out there, that beautiful Havili pass out to Will Jordan, the lines that they were running there, and they don't seem to have been trying to do that sort of thing in the last couple of weeks. Well, look, you, you, you had the very unique opportunity throughout the week to come out to the Crusaders uh, Hotel uh, and, and just sit in on the back session. Um, I know Razor invited you in. And so obviously you're sitting in a session where they're plotting the demise of the Waratahs and, and you're looking at what they're trying to do out there on the field. Now, without giving away their secrets... You know what 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 you are listening to from the decision makers and the backline in general, and what they're trying to achieve out there. Did, did that encourage you? Are they doing the right things? Are the right messages being said? It actually did. I was I was really impressed. Actually, I, I thought when I saw them, which was I don't know, it must have been two days out from the game. Um, they were, you know, about to have their, their, I guess, one of their big sessions of the week, and so you know there was a lot of chat. I just sit on the back and the Fords, but I, I didn't understand what the Fords were talking about. So um, <laughs> there you go. But yeah, I, I thought, I thought they felt, from my perspective, felt really focused, um, felt really motivated, um, etc. So you know, there's no lack of, um, there's no lack of effort going in. There's no. You know, I don't think it's a, it's a, it's a preparation failure by the Crusaders. I, I, I just, yeah, I don't know. It must be must be frustrating for Razor and his staff to sort of pinpoint why there are so many errors in the game. But, you know, sometimes you get that from trying a little bit too hard as well. So, um, I don't know. But they, they certainly seem really switched on. I enjoyed being part of it. I, I'm not one who likes really um, getting in there and fringing too much on, on current players. But, you know, it was a, a big thrill to sort of... Get back into that Crusaders invite. <laughs> no, they didn't, I didn't get in the office of free tickets, but then again, they knew I was down in Melbourne. So that's all right. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I, look, I thought I was, I was very, um, yeah, felt, felt uplifted and, and exhilarated just by by seeing the, their processes and, and whatnot, and the way they drive it, the engagement across the board from everyone, um, the way they look at decision making. 
And so, you know, I guess they'll, they'll go through the process again this week and say, okay, well, you know, was it decision making? Was it execution? Was it a combination of both? Where's the where's the link? Um, where's it breaking down? If, if it's a good decision and it's poor execution, that sort of thing. So, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty thorough. And uh, I'm sure they'll be working on it uh, on it pretty hard and, and, and well motivated to get across there. Because like I said, it's, it's no easy trip across to Perth, as the Blues have just proved. Andrew Mertens, lovely to have you on the programme. We do greatly appreciate you taking the time and joining us here on SENZ. You're listening to the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Mark Watson alongside of me, Justin Marshall. The telephone number's 0800 150811. You can text us here on double eight double three at Bunnings Trade. Helping businesses is our trade. In today's Voltaren Rapid 25 wrap-up. Yes, Blues coach Leon McDonald is hopeful of having a host of injured players back for his side when they face the Melbourne Rebels in Auckland on Friday. The Blues were scrappy and were lucky to leave Western Australia with a win against the Western Force. And McDonald will be relieved with a host of players set to return. McDonald hopes to have Stephen Perifeta, Tom Robinson, maybe Sam Knock back from injury, while also Nepo Laulala, Rico Awani, Hoskins Tutu after their last All Black rests. Meanwhile, earlier in the week, the Crusaders confirmed Joe Moody has been ruled out for the rest of 2020 after rupturing his ACL. Don't let back pain get in the way. Get fast relief with Voltaren Rapid 25. Read the label user directed if symptoms persist to see your doctor. Incorrect use may be harmful to not use if you have stomach ulcers. GSK Auckland. I've got to say, I do like my Voltaren. I call it vitamin V because I tend to take a fair bit of it as I've got a little bit older just at night. Uh, now, look, just to let you know, just after 2 o'clock on the Bunning Trade Rugby Run, we will have All Black great, Blues great, Auckland great Grant Fox on the programme. Was he a Blues great? Was he Super Rugby when Grant was still playing? I'm not sure. I'll have to check. Um, and then we're going to have Morgan Turanui around about 2.30 this afternoon. Justin Marshall has just been picking up his laptop <laughs> because we are seeing each other via video at the moment and showing off the hotel this man is staying in, swimming pools, clear blue skies, ocean and surf. The moral of the story is if you want all of those trimmings, become a great All Black. <laughs> it is quite nice, Wado. I was just showing you uh, what was outside my hotel window, Coogee Beach. It's a beautiful day. People are swimming. Uh, they've got their typical Aussie water sports going on there's people and budgie smugglers uh but i'd much rather be sitting here in my hotel room on the bunnings trade rugby run believe me looking in, an looking into my deep blue baby looking into my baby blue eyes yep absolutely but um <laughs> hey, i don't know if you if you can pick up on my speaker you probably can't the odd helicopter going past now People might think, why is that? Well, it's because they're out there they regularly patrolling for sharks. So it's shark watch to make sure all those swimmers are safe. So it's actually quite a relief to see them buzzing backwards and forwards across that beach, to be honest. Yeah, and I live at Mirawai Beach, just north of Auckland there. You've probably played the golf course at Mirawai, have you, Justin? Yeah. Yes. I have. We, yep. oft, we often getting the helicopters across. Either the police helicopter, people on the run, deciding that West Auckland's where yeah. they need to be, or <laughs> it's the Westpac rescue because, yeah, somebody got themselves into some difficulty. And the lifeguard and the surf club out there do a wonderful job. Um, how, how do you find Murawai? They've got that 17, which is a par three, but I call it the toughest par five in Auckland. Oh, I reckon. Holy moly. And, and when it's blowing as well. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's. Uh, I really like Murawai as a course. I uh, really enjoy playing there. Can't say that I've ever conquered it that well, to be perfectly honest. It's... Uh, it has me as its victim, so uh, I need to 
I need to sort of readdress that and try and go up there and play well. But lovely part of the world. I was just thinking, Foxy, he never played Super Rugby, did he? Because Mertz came in. No. no and then it no. was more, what, Carlos Spencer initially, wasn't it? You Lee Stensonis. I'm just trying to remember. Yep, yep. Yeah, no, wonderful era, wonderful era. Anyway, looking forward to having a chat with him. Uh, look, we do need to take another break, but if you've got a question or you've got an observation, you want to have a chat with an all-black great and Justin Marshall, telephone number's 0800 150811, and you can text your thoughts too or questions on 8833. Okay, and I just want to say one more time, special thanks to Bunnings too. If you are looking for tools, you are looking for um, DIY Go and check out the team at Bunnings Trade. It is coming up to seven minutes away from two. All Black Great Grant Fox on the programme just after two. Then we'll head across to Australia, catch up with Morgan Turanui. Uh, Mark Watson alongside of me, Justin Marshall. You are listening to the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Justin, a couple of texts that have come in. Someone saying here, Justin, uh, for Justin, the Crusaders' depth in their squad is just simply not there compared to Blues and even the Chiefs. Look at their nines, all very average. And their Lucy's lack size and ball running skills and the midfield lacks pace. That comes from Ken. Comments. Well, you know, I can't agree with that. I think their their depth is really good. Um, look, trying to pick that back four is near on impossible when you've got the likes of uh, Enor, Haveli, uh, Goodhue, Reese, uh, good, uh, Will Jordan, um, Fying Anuku, Shay Fihak. They've got plenty of firepower there. The Lucy's. Um, Pablo Matera has certainly fronted in the last couple of weeks. I thought he's been outstanding. Uh, you know, you've got Ethan Black out there, Cullen, Cullen Grace. Um, uh, look, I, th- th- there's there's plenty of players here. I think it's got more to do just with the fact that they, they're just in a bit of a bad patch at the moment, more than anything. OK, another text that has come in. The Crusaders' basic ball skills seems to be struggling. It wasn't that often their players were catching the ball in the breadbasket. They seem to be jumping to catch it. Catching it over the shoulder or from around the bootlace is really bad passing and catching skills. I think, again, it's got all the way back to what I, the point I was trying to make right at the start of the show, which is that's because we're just sort of trying to get there in a panicked way at the moment, trying to finish things too quickly. And because of that, you, you get your execution off a little bit because you feel like under pressure, you think, wow, bang, I've got to make this happen right now. And you don't quite get that skill set right. So, look, I certainly don't think that there's a lack of the ability to, to execute um, and get those passes on point. Um, it's just a matter of, at the moment, we're just showing a little bit of uh, impatience in doing it. Okay, uh, just a quick question too, Justin, and we might, might even address this more between two and three. There's been a lot of discussion about All Black Bolt or possibly being Cortez Ratama for the Chiefs. Your thoughts on that? I don't think it's an area where we lack depth at the moment, and how can you make those assumptions based on two or three Super Rugby games? Yeah, absolutely. Look, the, the, he's come through the system, so you know the, he'll be in the conversation at some stage. I think the more rugby that Cortez gets, the better it will be for him. Uh, how, how I think good he'll is he? be learning a lot. How good is he Sorry? from your how good is he from your initial observations? Oh, he's certainly really well balanced. He's he's got all the attributes. Um I watched him with his kicking game the other night. So he hasn't had heaps of starts in, in super rugby. Uh, and you know, you've got to have you've got to have that all round game. His clearance is really good. He's obviously his strength is his running game and support play as well. Uh, he certainly is potentially got the ability to step it up and, and make a move. 
um, in terms of getting in the spotlight of the international selectors, but he's still got some work to do. But yes, definitely potential. You're listening to SENZ. Special thanks again to Bunnings Trade for their support of this rugby show, The Rugby Run, with Mark Watson alongside of me, Justin Marshall, coming up very shortly. All Black Great, Grant Fox on the programme. Looking forward to that. Keep your thoughts coming on double eight double three. You can find the programme on 0800 150 Great music choice, Ben. One of the great songs. Welcome in, everybody. You're listening to SENZ. This is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. Mark Watson alongside of me, all black great Justin Marshall. The telephone number is 0800 150 811. You can text your thoughts here on 8833. Real privilege now to welcome one of the all black greats to the show. Grant, have you had any sleep? I'd imagine you'd be watching the Cataluna Championship over there in Spain. I see your boy Ryan currently seven under, tied for fifth, third round of two under par. How difficult, how hard is it watching from such a distance? quite a good little run of form at the moment so we'll see what happens tonight but he's hitting the ball pretty well and he's going to try and come from behind tonight and hopefully the leaders don't get you know he needs one of the leaders or a couple of leaders not to play too well and he's got to probably you know shoot a low number but we'll see what happens how difficult is it i mean you've, you've come from a coaching background you're on high performance sport how difficult is it just to stay a dad and not sort of get sort of coaching by committee sitting there going hey look by the way i actually think you're not holding the club right or <laughs> well, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know much about golf. Um, I'm a, I love golf, but I don't know a lot about it. So the technical stuff is way beyond me. But it's a little bit easier to watch at the moment. I mean, when he was um, playing to win that tournament um, in the Middle East, you know, that was a tough watch because you just desperately want them to do well. But now he's got that win under his belt. And, you know, he's got this year plus two more years. It's actually a much more relaxing watch because, you know, he can, he can freewheel a bit now. And while, you know, the results are important, um, at least he's got job security for another sort of cut two and a half years. So that's the important thing. Yeah, and I'd imagine too that initially cracking it is just about making a living and covering your costs and hopefully putting some money in the bank. Um, and look, without delving too much into his personal financial mm. life, but I'd imagine that he's probably got to that point, has he, where now he can actually target on winning and, yes, the money is sort of more of a means of keeping score. Yeah, I mean, look, he's... It's a pretty lucrative tour. I mean, not as big as the PGA Tour, and the prize money's gone up this year with, um, you know, with DP sponsoring it. And I think the US PGA, or the US, um, you know, US PGA have taken an interest in the European Tour, so the prize money's lifted. So, you know, that's that's healthy for all the guys who are competing. And at the end of the day, if results, you know, the money if results take care of the money, don't they? They that's do. Really how Absolutely. It works. So yep. You play well enough, um, you bank the money along the way. And then, look, he's. What is he in now? He's on his fifth year, I think, on the on the world, or DP World Tour, and he, he, look, he's done reasonably well. So, you know, he's got a property in London and a property in Auckland, so he, he's going along okay. Foxy, uh, I will be testament to the fact that you um, aren't a specialist at golf. I've seen you on the first <laughs> tee a few times, so um, we'll, we'll digress yourself, to... Yeah, a bit like the, the pot calling the kettle black here. I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. I set myself up well, didn't I? Um, so we will move on to your other area of expertise, we'll call it then, um, the Super Rugby at the moment. I think first and foremost, before we look at the New Zealand teams, obviously this Trans-Tasman um, has amalgamated. What have you made of the Australian <clears throat> teams and the way that they're playing at the moment? They're better than they were last year, and that's just come with exposure, hasn't it? I mean, in 2020... None of us could play against each other. We just played amongst ourselves. Um, we were pretty dominant last year. I think the Aussies had one win in 25 games, didn't they? I think that was right. Um, this year they picked up two wins in two weeks. So you know, they're much more competitive, much tighter games. Saw a big upset last night. 
Um, and so, you know, that just comes with regular contact. So it hasn't been that regular yet, but it's getting there. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> Dave Reening as Wallabies coach would be pretty happy, wouldn't it, with what he's seeing from some of his players. So do you feel... So you feel that's their game and not our our mm. loss? We, we haven't slipped backwards. It's that the Aussies have got better? They've got better. Um, I don't think our sides are playing quite as well. And let's not be too uncharitable. Um, you know, I think the Chiefs are going along quite well. They've had some significant injuries, and yet they're still trucking mm. along okay. The Hurricanes are starting to find you know, their form a little bit, aren't they? Um, I mean, the Blues... While the last couple of weeks they haven't performed that well, they're actually winning games that not too long ago we know they wouldn't have won. So that you know yep. they're growing a bit of backbone. Um, you know the Highlanders not been easy for them, and nice to see them get a win last night. And the surprise is the Crusaders because they're just you know by their standards they're struggling, aren't they? They're, <clears throat> they've got no real. They're struggling to get the flow in their game. You know they're, <clears throat> they're, um, they're making a lot of errors and <clears throat> their discipline's a problem and it's costing them. So. Um, um, but you don't write the Crusaders off. You know that they'll be digging pretty deep and they'll get back home and they'll dig in. And I, I still think at the end of the competition, they're going to be there or thereabouts. I totally agree. What, what you said about mentally, the Blues have made a massive shift. Like the way that they stayed in the fight against the Crusaders, the way that they absorbed those sort of micro minutes of the of the game and, and games that they would usually give up on, they they stayed again, stayed in the, in the fight. Um, does it worry you a little bit, given the, the rhythm that they were in, and particularly that performance against the Crusaders, that, that they have slipped away? And Leo McDonald's been quite public in saying that, hasn't he? That Yeah, that he's a bit worried about the way they're playing. In fact, he said, we're bloody lucky to win the other night. Yeah, but, I mean, Marcy, you know how this works. I mean, the Blues put a lot into the Chiefs and then the Crusaders in two consecutive weeks. And we know how difficult it is to mentally keep backing up. Um, and I just think they've taken, you know, subconsciously the foot's gone off the gas a bit, hadn't it? Um, you know, they, they steeled themselves for a big game in Hamilton, then a big game in Christchurch. And, you know, um, last week against the Rebels didn't completely surprise me. I thought they would bounce a bit more against the force than they did. But you've got to give the force some credit. You know, they'd had some COVID issues and a, and a week off, so maybe they were a little bit fresher. And they're a tough side at home. So... I'm not overly concerned because I think that, um, you know, there's there's enough fortitude in that camp at the moment. And their expectations are higher now. So the team itself will be, you know, disappointed. And there's enough strong leaders in that group to start driving that. So I'm expecting the Blues to, you know, kick back up again. It's just mental, I think. It's not, not where their game's at. It's just mental, making sure you're in the house every week. And that's the big challenge. Um, and, you know, maybe that's, you know, where... The Crusaders haven't quite, you know, maybe they're not where they, they usually, I'm just surmising here, I don't really know, but I'm just a little surprised that, you know, they, they and then when they get behind, you sort of know they're going to win, don't you? That's sort of what you've been accustomed to, and all of a sudden they've, um, you know, even against the Blues, you thought, oh, well, they'll come home, and they didn't. Last night I thought, okay, even 13, they were getting on a roll, they'll get themselves home, and yet, good on New South Wales, they showed a bit of a backbone that's been missing from them for a couple of years, hasn't it? So, um um, I mean, it's good for the competition as much as if you're a Crusaders fan and you're a rugby fan, it's not the result you want to see. But for the competition itself, I think it's healthy. Mm. Uh, Foxy, Justin and I were talking just after one o'clock about the defence now that we've seen in rugby and how the Australian teams are very good defensively and maybe we haven't quite adjusted and that we, you know, we are now, it's very difficult now for all black teams to 
and New Zealand sides to get the ball out to their wingers to either take their man one-on-one or score on the corner. Because of the defences coming up, how, where's the next innovation? How, how do we combat that? How do we as New Zealand teams um, move the game forward and somehow find a way of negating that and getting our backs, uh, getting more space and getting the ball out to our wingers? Well, I mean, the game hasn't changed since the game was invented. So you've still got to earn the right to go wide by going forward first. And I think that's maybe where some of the teams are wanting to play in their structures, um, you know, maybe a little bit from the get-go rather than doing the hard yards and keeping it in tight and, you know, bashing away, winning the little battle to the game line, getting getting lightning quick ball and then earning the right to go wide. And I think that's probably, you know, we whole were falling into I mean, we'll jump in here and say the All Blacks last year had no problems dealing with Australia, did they? I mean, we were pretty dominant against them. We know that it's likely to be a bit different this year. The Aussies will, you know, will be better for, you know, more exposure. So we know that's coming. Um, but it, it's still a very simple game. You know, you gotta, you, <clears throat> you got to have a good set piece. you got to win the first strike win the battle of the game line, you know, win the first carry, um, and then you start playing from there. And perhaps some of our sides are just a bit hell-bent on structures rather than actually, um, you know, going forward to earn the right to go wide. Look, from from your perspective, Foxy, you know, you've, you've had this in your eye line before as, as one of our greats in the game <clears throat> in the 10 jersey. But when, when you're setting up a set-piece move and you're about to pull the trigger on that pass and all of a sudden... In your peripheral, you see a centre or a ring, a wing, sitting up in your up in your back line on attack. Do you think that aggressive line speed? Do you think we've got the defence back far enough? Is negating teams have been able to attack from set piece, particularly from scrum? No, I still think you can do it, March. It's just a matter of adapting, isn't it? I mean, we know we know the sides that bring more line speed compared to some other sides and what parts of the field, because they don't exclusively come hard. It really depends on what part of the field they're in, you know, mm. where the set piece where the set piece is, but then in relation to scrum, because line that's always on the sideline, obviously, but also where the phase play is. You know, if you get jammed on a sideline, you know, we know they're going to come hard in the middle. If you get if you're playing off the middle of the park, then you know it's a bit of folly if they come hard because they're going to leave space on an edge somewhere. So. Sides adapt, and then with all the research and homework that's done, much sides work that out. But you know, you, you can talk all you like and have all the plans you like, but you know, getting it done is, you know, getting actually executing is easier said than done. And you know, sometimes it's just a matter of making sure. Um, I mean, sometimes it's just about LQB, so it's about getting the first thing right, i.e., get the strike right, get the get the first phase, first two phases right, going forward, get the defence on their heels a bit easier to attack. If your ball gets slowed down, and a lot of sides. Are tackling and putting two in the tackling and holding play, trying to hold players up realistically just to buy time to get their defence set. And once they're set, it's a little bit harder. So I think at times attacks have got to recognise that a little bit better. But but And sometimes it's just about depth, right? You know they're coming regardless. They're not going to slide. So sometimes you just got to adjust your depth and make sure your, your attack lines are square so you keep the defenders coming at you square or even out to win rather than giving, giving themselves a chance to push up and then push out. So, um, I mean, this game, Marcy, again, you've been around a lot, goes in phases. Sometimes attacks, attack mm. you know, you have a season where attacks winning the battle and then all of a sudden defence adjustment gets a bit harder. So that's just about them and players and coaches getting together and, you know, getting the innovation going. But again, just go back to the, the, the primary thing. Good set piece, win the first strike, win the, win the first couple of carries, and then the game's, the game's quite a bit easier. Uh, are, are you happy with the, the way that you see our team's playing at the moment. Now, obviously, I 
mentioned about mm. the fact that I felt that the driving more was quite negative in the game. Now, th- there was more to it than that because they just get grabs out of it. What, what I was saying in a nutshell was, yes, it's hard mm. to defend and, and, yes, it seems to be what teams go to when tactically they're struggling. But the snap-on effect of doing that was between, between the 222s, the teams didn't look where New Zealand teams have always looked to play. You know, from outside your 22 on defence all the way down onto attack where you build that pressure inside the 22, we had the licence to play. And I thought teams were, because of the driving more situation, tactically were kicking a shitload of ball away in that mm. zone now. Box kicking a lot, box kicking around the halfway, trying to force teams into the 22. You know, are you happy with the way that we're playing the game at the moment? Oh, look, we'd always like to see it more open and, and free-flying, wouldn't we? But, you know, I mean, you play both sides of the ball with it and without it. So, um, and and taking um, calculated risks is all part of it. And, and, you know, I get that sides might be a little bit more conservative. And that will depend on weather conditions. And we saw that in the Reds, um, um, because mm. the Reds played the Chiefs, didn't they? Um, both sides were pretty conservative, really, weren't they? Now, on tally, I couldn't see, but I'm, I'm guessing the weather wasn't that great. It didn't look, it looked okay on tally, but maybe... She has a wet, slippery board, and it wasn't that easy to deal with. So sides become a little bit more conservative. But, yeah, I mean, your point's taken. Um, but there's some little things that I would like to see that what I think can maybe help change the game a little bit. And, and I, don't, I don't have a problem with the driving wall. I don't, I, don't, I don't at all. But a couple of things I'd like to see, for instance, um, and this is sort of on task a little bit, but if you, if you don't put the ball in, in straight um, to a scrum, not that, not that they worry about that at the moment, or, or you pre-engage, you get a free kick against you, don't you? So why don't we why don't we sanction a crook and throw with a free kick, but then you're not allowed to scrum, right? So some momentum in the game, yeah. get people to start taking quick taps and get going around and say, okay, we'll have a scrum here, right? Or when when there's a free kick from a scrum, you can't have another scrum, right? You've just got to go mm. and play, you know. Just yeah. we we can help and, and we can help tire athletes out a little bit more, right? Otherwise we get it because. Well, I accept, you know, your frustrations at times of the rolling mall. I, I get frustrated with how long it takes to set a scrum. Um, and, <laughs> yep. and, and sometimes you've got to reset it again. It's like, you know, and you know what Nisbo's like. He gets on the case <laughs> big time when he sees that going on. So I just think there's a few things we can do around there that might just help speed that game up a little bit. Uh, Grant, one of the things that has been identified, and I think Steve Hansen might have identified it during his tenure as well, is this... Lack of um, ball carrying front rowers, that Steve McDowell type player. <laughs> it's an area that perhaps we came up a little bit short on last year against the Irish and the French. Um, what do the Super Rugby franchises, is there a mandate that comes from the All Blacks across the Super Rugby franchises to try and develop that area of our game? Um, and, and have you seen a little bit of a shift in terms of the way our front three are playing? Uh, well, there's no mandate from us, Mark. I can assure you of that, right? The franchises have got their licence to pick their own players and play sure. as they see fit. Yep. Our job as selectors then to say, well, you know, what are we looking at for our group and what do we need? Now, I mean, we all understand how important set pieces and you can't compromise that. But, yep. you know, more, but we've also got to add the, you know, what I would call mo- mobility and agility to yep. that as much as we possibly can in the Type 5. Because if you if you go to... Um, some guy, you know, to guys and, and go all on mobility and agility and compromise set pressure screwed anyway, right? So getting the balance right, and sometimes it might be a matter of making sure that you know when you've got um, particular people with certain numbers on the park that you get the balance between one who might be absolute paramount to set piece 
and the other person still going to be very adequate at set piece, but might have more mobility and agility. So, and then you stack your bench the same way, right? So you don't end up with two guys on the park who are have got that you know lesser mobility and lesser agility. So. In 2019, we started to look at that for the World Cup. We've been seeing the trend coming for a while, and I'd argue that it's, we haven't necessarily had all that all that, the talent at our disposal around that to get the balance right between the set piece and and what we need around the park. But now we've, I think, we're we're seeing a sh- partly a, partly a shift, and that's been driven by the Super Rugby franchises because they've seen that themselves. And and there's some young talent starting to come through that's been in our 20s program that's just starting to say, hey, maybe I'm ready. You know, and, and and maybe as selectors, we just might have to take a slightly longer term view and say, okay, towards next year, you know, do we get on someone now? Because we still think there's room to grow. They can do the job now well enough. They'll be better by next year. Uh, and we need to make an investment to get some experience. So they're all conversations we're having as a selector group at the moment. And, and I mean, Foz has documented very recently are talking about the areas of that we're looking at hard. And I can assure you that... We're not scratching our head, but there's a lot of conversations going on in those areas at the moment. It must crack you up, Foxy, uh, with the uh, five million selectors that we've, we've got out there in New Zealand, and you, you actually are one one of the people that have that responsibility. Are you? We've got the Irish coming up, who have proven to be uh, a revelation. Really, I think they've shown the biggest growth in the game in, in the last couple of years. So it's going to be a great test series. Are you pleased? Uh, at what you're seeing out there. You've obviously seen the debates about the wings, about the centres, about players yep. playing in their position, in their best position and not being moved around. Are you, you know, looking forward to selecting that first side and happy with the, the players that are in the mix from what you, you guys are talking, the players you're talking about? Yeah, look, um, look, we're, I mean, it's a huge responsibility and we love the fact there's five million selectors because it means we're passionate about it. So I'd rather people cared about it. And while we don't always agree with the opinions and get expressed, you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> it means we care, doesn't it? So I'd, I'd rather it that way than you didn't get airtime or TV time or, you know, talk about radio time or column inches, right? Because it means no one really cares. So, you know, I think fundamentally that's important. But, you know, it's a big responsibility, you know, picking a group because, mate, we've got a, a rich history of, of of success and and you know we're we're desperately wanting to continue that, but there's other sides in the world that are getting better. You've nominated one France are a side that's making big shifts, aren't they? Um, you know England are always going to be a threat, so there are more sides I think more capable and perhaps more of an even playing field than it's been for a while. And you know for those um, who think All Blacks you know dominating's been boring, well you know at the end of the day you can't have it both ways. You can, you, you, you can't have the contest on the edge of your seat and expect the All Blacks to win all the time. Well, you can, but that's not reality. Um, I know I'd rather be reclining in my chair more often with my arms folded because it means you know the outcome, but we're getting more more of a contest that, you know, at, at, on the international stage at the moment. And for the game itself, um, that's a good thing. But to get to your point, Marshy, um, I mean, largely we're, we're, we're very happy. Um, not exclusively. You know, there are some players we'd like to be in a slightly um, in, in a slightly better, better form, maybe better fitness. Um, mm. But some guys come slower. You know, some guys start a season well. Some guys come a little bit slower at the end of the, end of the day. And you know, when when we marry selection up, we marry up what we think the team needs right now and um, on current form. But also balance about balance it out with what we know guys have done in our jersey and what they're capable of at our level because experience is important. Um, and so sometimes you know, there's been again uh, time and time again through our history, some guys have struggled at first class level in many ways, and yet you can put an all that jersey on them and they step up and grow arms and legs. And there's still the odd one that does that. So we're largely happy. Um, 
not 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 really concerned at, the, at, the, at anything at this point. We've just got to mull over some some of those areas that Fozzie's already identified and make sure that we do our homework and, from our point of view, get those selections right. Grant Fox, just quickly on a very much lighter note, um, I sit on the Mount Albert Grammar School. I can't do a show without dropping Mount Albert Grammar in at least once. Um, <laughs> I sit on the Mount Albert Grammar Centennial Committee with Sir Brian Williams, Bernie Allen. We've got our centennial game yeah. against Auckland Grammar in two weeks. It's the big occasion. Oh, really? The two most successful yeah. schools in 1A. Um, memories quickly yeah. of playing Mount Albert Grammar? Um, you got some tissues by? No, no, I actually think we might have succeeded in the three times I played against them. But never easy. They're a big, strong side, and it was a traditional game. Although my my time, God, it was what was it forty odd years ago now. Um, um, it was more Kings College was that was in some ways the you know the the more traditional rivalry game. Although the grammar schools it was obviously Man Albert and Orton Grammar. And, you know we were fortunate enough in my time in the late seventies. I think from memory we dominated, but they're always tough contests. And you know I mean look, look at I mean, I mean just a parallel here. You look at the size of the athletes. I mean you mentioned Steve McDowell before. Steve probably was like he weighed 102 kilos and he was considered quite a big prop in our day. Mm. Mate, I mean mm. if, you, if you're 122 kilos now you're actually pretty light, you know. And and so the same <laughs> goes for the school. The same goes for the schoolboys. You know, my God, I mean some of these guys are huge. You know, compared to what we were playing, um, we were a small little team who relied on you know being organised and structured, well coached by Graham Henry, being very fit and try to play hit-and-run missions because we would, we would struggle to take bigger schools on physically. So we'd have to try and take them on, you know, tactically and use our smarts and our skills and our fitness. So, um, but boy, there's some, big, there's some big kids who play in the 1A competition now. Grant Fox, uh, look, all the very best for Ryan overnight. Hopefully he can get the job done. Thank Thanks, you for joining mate. us Cheers, on the programme. Thank you. Really Cheers, do Marcy, a, see you. No, really do appreciate it. 22 minutes after two, you're listening to the Bunning Trade Rugby Run. Mark Watson alongside of me, Justin Marshall, still to come on the programme, Morgan Turanui. We're going to take a break. There's some very good texts that are coming in, so I'll read those out, get Justin to reply to them, and then we'll continue talking the national game. Yeah, always enjoy a bit of journey. 27 minutes after two. Telephone numbers 0800 150 This is the Bunnings Rugby Show. Looking forward to having Morgan Turanui on the programme very shortly. Justin Marshall alongside of me. If you do want to phone the programme, feel free. Have you got something to say, Ben? No, you're just putting your headphones on. Uh, Justin, a couple of texts that have come in for Justin. Why did the Crusaders let Anton Segner go? He streaks ahead of Christie and co, but well done, Leon, for signing him. Yeah, well, that's the problem, isn't it, that Razor's got to manage. You know, he's got so much talent uh, within that academy and, and within their ranks that uh, he's got to get the balance right. And obviously, um, he, pro- he to a degree, to give Razor the credit that he deserves, he, he will also not negate development of a player. If it's best for a player to move on and get rugby, as much as you want to retain him, if you feel that you're not going to utilise and use him, then he, he will probably encourage that player to move on. Um, I certainly would think that he would have a guy like Anton Signer in the mix and, and in his development, but probably thought, well, with what I've got in, in my shed at the moment, it's probably a couple of years away before you can play. So that, I would suggest that's the reason behind it. But yes, great to see him get a start in, at number eight the other night and playing well. Okay, someone here, a text that was for Grant Fox, but Joe Schmidt. Um, what, what do you think Joe Schmidt's brought to the Blues? I mean, he's clearly d- done a lot of great things in terms of setting the platform for Irish rugby renaissance. What is it that you think he specialises in? What's his real area of expertise? And have you seen that influence on the Blues? 
just just another good voice that that's got experience. But I, I certainly think that he's had a major effect on what they're doing defensively. Uh, I think that they have got better variation uh, in the way that they're defending, but also much more patient. And and I think what we were talking about mentally earlier um, was. And Grant Fox mentioned that, that games that they usually would be letting slipping away and losing, they're winning now. Now, that, that's just not mental, but that's the mental aptitude also in defence. Like the way that they kept the Crusaders out when they were coming home at them in Christchurch took patience, but it also took a system. Like you can't have guys that are not in the system or are rushing out of line or fatigue who don't get up. And I think Joe Smith has been really instrumental in that area of getting them to mentally a better place and in a better system. He's just got that mana too, hasn't he? He's a guy that you're just yeah. not going to want to let down as a player. I mean, yeah, I'd absolutely. imagine if he just stares at you with a slight frown, you'd be terrified. Hey, well, oh, you we're have, actually did, on the same did, plane. Did you have a coach like that? Yeah, I had plenty of them. Don't worry. And they were staring at me for all sorts of reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Usually when I was out, when I shouldn't have been perfectly on the water. But um, yeah, Joe Smith was on the same flight as uh, me on the way over. And I watched them uh, the, so that Mitch Bush meant the Blues and the Hurricanes were on the same plane as well. And he was just making his way up and down the plane, going into rows of Blues players and chatting away to them and talking. He had his laptop with them. So, you know, he's obviously just keep keeping them on point all the time. OK, it is 2.30 here. We are going to just take a break, head back to Australia. Morgan Turanui on the programme. Um, lovely to have him on the programme. Running Trade Rugby Run, Mark Watson, Justin Marshall. Telephone numbers 0800 150 811. You can text us here on double eight double three at Bunnings Trade. We're here to make your job easier because helping business is our trade. 25 minutes away from 3 o'clock, we head to Australia now, and I think he's pitch side getting ready for the Brumbies taking on the Hurricanes, another Super Rugby game live here from 4 o'clock on Sky Sport. Morgan Turanui joins us. Afternoon to you, Morgan. Welcome. Thanks very much for having me. Yes, I'm looking out over Canberra Stadium right now, actually, and you wouldn't believe it. The sun's out. It's actually quite a nice afternoon. It's a bit of a fortress. It's a tough place to play for visiting <laughs> sides, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And then you only need to think back to that 12-10 match last year that the Hurricanes played the Brumbies right here. You know, I think it was Geordie Barrett at the end had that opportunity to steal that victory. And uh, and that probably sums up what it's been like for lots and lots of touring teams through the years, no matter what country they come from. And uh, it's a Brumbies team that knows, they know the way they want to play. They're so good at putting it in place. And it's up to the Hurricanes, I suppose, today to come and deny that opportunity from them. Hey, Morgs, thanks very much uh, for joining us. Uh, do, uh, do you know, did the Waratahs play yesterday at all? Were they were they involved? Uh, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, it's possibly the greatest weekend we could ever have you oh, no. on Stanford in Australia. <laughs> Just sit through that. It was unbelievable. Jeez, I'll tell you what, you were a lot happier on Friday cutting around Coogee Beach with your coffee, weren't you? You were you're up on your toes. You thought your team was going to win easy. But uh, in, in all seriousness, Marshy, I, I actually ran into the boys, the Crusaders boys today at the airport. They're heading to Perth. And I was obviously coming down here to Canberra, spoke to Razor and, and a few of the players. And I'll tell you what, I must say about you guys, you win classy, but you also lose classy. They were, they were quick to say how good the Tars were, quick to use it as a learning uh, opportunity for themselves. And even this morning's interaction with them hit home to me why the Crusaders and Canterbury as a rugby province have been so successful through the years. Well, you were there live at the ground and, and you called the game as well. Um, just real quickly, I guess, because I, I don't want to let you really unleash because that will, that will ruin the rest of my day. Um, how, how, how did they ultimately get the job done, the Waratahs? Was it the Crusaders um, being off their game and, and or was it the Waratahs just being 
super efficient and the better side on the day? I think it's both, to be honest. And I think, you know, I know we all sit there probably and thought this is a very un-Crusaders-like performance. But I suppose that's the time where you really have to look at the amount of pressure that the Waratahs are able to put them under. Um, I think in commentary we've been talked about that the Crusaders, the base game of the Crusaders is so impressive. Set piece, breakdown work, defensive uh, commitment and cohesion. The more both defence and attack, but then also all the fun stuff that we love to see the Crusaders do as well. But the, the, the Waratahs are able to put pressure on every single part of their game. So I definitely think that the Crusaders, it was a subpar performance from them by their lofty standards. But I think a lot of that has to go to the Waratahs for being able to continue to put pressure on them. And, 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 and what I like about the Crusaders too is, is always that you can get a few decisions against them or you can get things go your way, but consistently through the game, they'll always find ways back in. And that's, I think what the Waratahs did well last night was they didn't compound their as compound ill discipline, and maybe the Crusaders did. So the Waratahs lost a couple of moments, but they didn't lose two or three moments in a row that brought the Crusaders back into the game. Look, I, I expect them to bounce back pretty hard in Perth next week. Um, maybe maybe they won't stay at Coogee anymore, Marshy. Maybe it was a bit too good for them. I was I was smiling at you doing your post-match interviews with the players and uh, DC, the coach down there, and um, I thought to myself... Um, yeah, you look like you're part of the squad, actually. You look like you're going to go out and celebrate the win with the lads, you know, <laughs> even, even though you're... Anyway, that, that, you can't take that jersey away from you, mate. Um, I totally agree. I, I guess probably to ease my pain, we'll move on from that game and talk about the one that you're at now. The, the, the one thing that that did do to the Crusaders was hurt them on the points table. So a massive opportunity for the Brumbies to keep their momentum this afternoon. Yeah, it is. And I think you've said it previously this week when we've had our sort of, you know, trans-Tasman commentary meetings and things that, you know, home ground advantage is going to be so crucial when this eight-team mm. final series kicks off. And, and that's for the good teams. The very good teams in this comp are eyeing off where they need to be on the table to make sure they have that. It's been a great reminder, I also think, of, the, of, of how hard travel is. Now, you look at what the Blues have been through. They went through, what, three time zones in, in, in a matter of eight or nine days. Um, and so that there's the challenge. They went from New Zealand, got to Melbourne, then had to go to Perth and try and perform. And that's a, a bit of a reminder that, reminder that even though the South Africans aren't part of Super Rugby anymore, playing away from home and, and the challenge of travel is still a significant part of it. And, and this will be important for the Brumbies. You know, we, we started off talking about how much of a fortress this place is. If they can play definitely at least their first game of the final series at home, no matter who they play against, it makes it that much harder. And, and this is that huge opportunity for them to consolidate that spot. I know this is a big statement, but uh, I'll make it anyway. I, I feel, and I, I wonder whether or not you agree, this is, at this stage of the season, a must-win for them because they've got they've got this game at home, then they've got to go to Hamilton to play the Chiefs, and then they've got to come back to Canberra to play the Crusaders. So this is pivotal, a pivotal win for them because the, the, the journey from here on in is pretty tough. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Uh, this is definitely must win, and, and mate, we all know how hard it is to go to Hamilton and win. And, and then, and then once you're trying to chase other teams on the ladder uh, and, and vie with other teams for final spots, you put yourself under more pressure than you need to. So getting out in front of it for the Brumbies today will be important. They get the dry track. They, they like to control the match tempo down here, so they've got every opportunity. Banks there at fullback, Wallace there, the game organiser at 10. This is, you know, I suppose Al Atoa is, is not there as a tight head, but apart from that, this is as strong as the Brumbies team gets. So there are no excuses to get today. There is responsibility to win, and, and I think you've summed it up well. Right now, 
with those few weeks to go to the final series. You want to be you want to be the ones being chased, not the chaser. Morgan Turanui, lovely to have you on the program. Have a great call this afternoon. Greatly appreciated. It is 19 minutes away from 3 o'clock. Mark Watson, Justin Marshall with you. This is the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. If you've got any, if you want to phone the program, uh, you might just want to make an observation. You've got a question for Justin, 0800 150 811. Um, you can text us here on double eight double three. There's a really interesting text that's come through regarding halfback for the Crusaders, and we'll get Justin to comment on that next. That's it. Coming up to 16 minutes away from 3 o'clock. After 3 o'clock too, we're going to talk some water polo. I was lucky enough to be in Wellington yesterday commentating the New Zealand secondary school's water polo. Uh, boy, tough game. Rugby underwater, combination of basketball, football. Got to have a big engine. We'll also talk some basketball. The Tuatara, the Auckland Tuatara, yes, the same uh, people that own the baseball franchise have taken over the Auckland Huskies. They made their debut in the NBL and we'll also talk some athletics. But Justin Marshall alongside of me, we are talking all things rugby and Dean has phoned through. Afternoon to you, Dean. Welcome. Yeah, good to hear from you, lads. A very interesting show. I just said to your producer, whatever they're off here, like for me, I find it really exciting times for New Zealand rugby. Like I'm I'm totally worried, to be honest, but it's almost like we're just about ready for another crack at the old baby blacks, I reckon. Like The Crusaders team, like Sam Whitelock, absolute legend, but he's not going to cart the ball like he used to three seasons ago. And Cody Taylor's throne of the line-out has never really been as good as it possibly could be, But and he doesn't run as free. Like, they're all getting older. You know, are we hanging on to players in New Zealand just that wee bit too long? I know you've got to get the mix right, you know, the balance of age and experience and all that, but there's some cracking youth coming through. Like, that Highlanders number eight, who's he? Never seen him before, and what a run at the line. Like, there's, we've always had plenty. It just, what do you guys think? Yeah, Dean, look, I, I think it's a good, valid point, to be honest, mate, and that that's the balance that you've got to try and get right, don't you? You've got to try and get that uh, that experience, that international player that, that, that is out there but is still performing at his peak, uh, combined with bringing through the talent. And I think it's the one evolution, and I know everyone keeps banging the drum of France, but they're banging the drum of France because they've been innovators, because what they've done is they've brought the nucleus of their successful under-20 side through, uh, through throwing them out there and you know, the DuPonts and the Intermax and all that have come through and been um, equally as good on the big stage as what they were in the under-20s. Um, so what we need to do is, our biggest problem, mate, is the fact that for the last two years, we haven't had our under-20s playing. Um, so that development has been missing. So what those players are now finding is they're getting thrust into the super sides with all of those experienced players that have been in the game a lot that you are mentioning who sometimes might not be in their best form, but they're not getting their opportunities and they haven't had the opportunities on the international stage through the under-20s. So I don't think we have to go all the way back to baby blacks where we just introduce a brand new team, but I certainly do think we need to think about our development more. Yeah, hey, lovely call, Dean. It's an interesting one, isn't it, Justin? Because of the all-black brand and who we are, the all-blacks are not allowed to lose. We don't have a losing mentality and therefore we can't go three years losing to build that next great team you know we can't have a complete clean out 
And I think it's, right. a, it's a strength of New Zealand rugby, but it's almost a weakness. You know, we always look at the 10 reasons why a player is not good enough. We're Australia who don't quite have the depth. Just look at the 10 reasons why he is good enough. And they're mm. prepared to give them time. But if, you, if you're if you a player who loses three all-black tests in a row, you're pretty much done, aren't you? Yeah, I think probably that's the that's the issue in the in the conundrum that we've we've got to face, and it's a good one to have um, because, like you say, we we do have the depth, and and getting getting that right is key for us. Look, I certainly hear where Dean's coming from, and you know he's probably like when you think about it, you look look at the likes of, I guess Sam Whitelock and Joe Moody, players that have been around there a long time, are well into their thirties. Like the backline's probably not so much of a problem. It's quite youthful. You know, I would imagine Bowden Barrett's probably one of the oldest in that back line. Um, him and Aaron Smith, who was still playing pretty bloody good rugby. But it's about when you make that shift to bringing that, that more modern type player through. But do you want to go into a World Cup quarter semi-final final without Joe Moody and Sam Whitelock? Mm. How do you make that yeah. brave decision? But also, Justin, I don't want rugby being reduced in this country to once every four years and it's okay to yeah, lose as long true. as we win the World Cup. And, and that's the thing that scares me a little bit. We, you know, yeah. I, I do want to win, and I want to win the Rugby World Cup. And again, you know, that, that's the, new, the all-black brand. And I think if we start to compromise that, I think we lose our identity, and I think we lose that fear factor. Hey, look, just a text that's come in saying, a real problem for the Crusaders is at halfback. Bryn Hall missing a lot of tackles, slow pass. Um, I've got to say, last week against the Rebels, I thought Mitch Drummond was very, very average. What do you make about the halfbacks for the Crusaders? Is that an area of concern? Well, obviously they lost uh, Inari to, to Moana Pacifica, and I think that was, again, raises just looking at the fact that he wasn't getting enough game time, and he was a halfback that deserved more game time, and that's where he's going to find regular opportunities to start because he was only getting little tidbits of that under Bryn Hall and Strummond. So they then made the bold call to bring in um, Te Tuiroa Tahuriarangi, which he was suffering in the environment that he was in under Brad Weber, Reb Weber, Cortez Ratama was coming through and Roe as well. So those are the three halfbacks that the Crusaders have. Um, in, the, in the last two weeks, uh, I, I would agree that they've been slightly off their usual quality of form. I don't think it's the reason why the Crusaders are losing. Uh, I think that they have built a game plan around good distributors, good support players. Uh, Bryn Hall and Mitch Drummond are very good at that. Uh, And I think that it's more the fact that the balance of the way that the Crusaders are playing is off and it's not helping those halfbacks. Yeah, I want to ask you this, Justin, because there's a lot of statistics now where we look at how many yards a player makes, how many tackles a player makes. What are the measurements they use in terms of gauging a halfback? Basically, they, they, they nowadays they look at the, the speed to the ruck and the speed of getting the ball when the ball's available. So... Look, but back in my day, mate, you used to be able to go there when you're a bit st- stuffed and stick your ball, stick your foot on the ball, and organise a few forwards and uh, and reset. You know, now we've got the five second rule, but the five second rule is is analysed even more so by uh, the the technical staff within the coaching group, where if they see a halfback arriving there and he's got rid of it in two seconds, one second, and then they can measure the speed of when he actually gets that ball in his hands, and it's in the hands of the, of the first five. Um, People out there will roll around on the floor laughing and won't believe me when I say when that that was measured for me. My my pass from hand to getting into the receiver was quick. It was the quickest in the country at, at, at certain times. So 
what where I was slightly more lethargic was actually getting getting down and getting the ball um, because I was slightly bigger as a halfback, so I lost speed there, but, but um, and you, that made me look more slower than what my passing. But you, was. but you were also very good around the fringes. Do they measure that? No, not really. No, because they're they're looking at that when that ball's presentable and available, how quickly you move it on. So yeah, that probably people are going, "Geez, I didn't realise it," because I, that was obviously a massive criticism of my game. But the actual speed of flight through the air for my pass was good. But I was slightly slower than others at the moment that it was available to when it got to the first five. Okay, and Justin, we've got about two minutes. I do want to ask you this then. So how much now the evolution in regards to the box kick, how important is that now in terms of being the complete halfback? We've seen South Africa use it very effectively. We've seen Ireland use it very effectively. It's massively important because we are... More so than when you were playing? No, because we were were more prepared to play in those areas that I was criticising the game for. I, I felt that between the 22s, we were prepared to play rugby. We weren't worried about the defence. We weren't worried about turning the ball over. Now they, they do want to, they are reluctant to play in those zones, so they kick the ball away. So what you've got to be able to do is be a very good technician of the box kick. You've got to kick at the right amount of distance that the winger or the chasing players can get there, that it's a hard kick for high enough and, and, and hard enough for the defending player to catch it. Uh, and, and making sure that you're getting it back. If you're not executing that properly, you're just kicking the ball back to the opposition. So you mentioned two players that were very, very good at it that was getting them selected week from week, which was Fourier de Prayer mm. and Connor Murray. Yep. They are very good at it, and, and teams were winning the ball back from it. Which then started to put emphasis then, didn't on in terms of who the all-black wings were, how good are you under the high ball? Yeah, but here's the shift. Why is Connor Murray not starting anymore for Ireland? He's still very good at box kicking because they've shifted their mentality in the way they're playing. So now uh, Jameson Gibson Park is preferred because he is a better distributor, support player, and he is more of a, a, I I guess, a player that they know they don't have to worry about just box kicking, that he's got better balance to his game. Justin, I'm going to let you go now. It's been an absolute privilege and pleasure, my good man. I know you've got a wonderful swimming pool and ocean, palm trees and <laughs> cocktails waiting for you. And again, the moral of the story, guys, if you want all the trimmings, work hard, become a great All Black, and it all comes, it all comes, okay? Justin, lovely to have yeah, you on the thanks, boat. Yeah, thanks, Watt. I appreciate th- that. No, thanks, mate. I- I can't lie that I'm not going to go head my way down to the beach and go for a swim in 25 degrees. Yeah, just make sure the helicopters have checked the water first, OK? <laughs> I don't want you in the yeah, news at 4 o'clock. Thanks, everyone, out there for joining us. Cheers. Thank you. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.